My name is Andrew Bessie. For those of you that don't know me, people call me AJ. And I'm on staff here at Village Bible Church with some fantastic people. If you're new here, I'm not the senior pastor. So rest assured that he will be back. And it's not a kid running the show. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so as I train for ministry, one of the things that I will be doing is preaching. So Pastor Ron and the elders and people involved thought it would be fit for me to preach. And so I am nervous and I'm excited and all those emotions that go with that. But mostly I need prayer. So we're going to start off with prayer and ask God to bless this time as we come together and learn from his word. So if you'll join me. Lord God, we come before you today and we want to be humble before your word. Lord, we want to be humble before your authority. And so, Lord, I pray for me that you would help me to get out of the way of what you want to say today. Lord, that I wouldn't distract or I wouldn't take away from your word. Lord, give us teachable hearts, soft hearts, open ears, and sound minds that we might be able to put to practice what your Holy Spirit will teach us this morning. So, Spirit, I pray that you'd work, that you'd come in this room, and that you would convict and soften hearts, you would encourage, and you would exhort, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This past week has been an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, many of you know, and this is one of the things I love about Village, is that we are a family, and it's obvious. Many of you know that my grandma died this past Monday, so she passed away in her sleep. Um, hard week for my family and I. Hard for me to come up here and preach, as she was a grandma, so she was biggest fans of her grandkids, and she would be sitting right there and totally excited to watch me preach this morning, so that's a little tough that she's not here. But I think now more than ever I needed to learn what God had to teach me, and I think has to teach you through this passage. So I'm excited as we get to continue in 1 Corinthians. We are in a series in 1 Corinthians. For those of you that are new here, this series is called Godly Living in an Ungodly World. If you have your Notes, I'd like you to take those out and follow along with us as we will hit back and fill in the blanks here. You'll notice, I, I thought it would be cool if I switched things up a little bit, so I started with points C and D on point one and two. Just going to get a little crazy, so sorry about that. Uh, so I don't know about you, but 2015 has not been the easiest year for me so far. It's not been the most enjoyable year, but I can tell you this, that God is sovereign, I am not, and I love that God is sovereign and I am not, because as I think back over my life, there are choices that I would have made that would have resulted terribly, and there are things that God did that I wouldn't have done that have resulted great. And God continues to be sovereign. He continues to work in our lives in real, recognizable ways. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you want to turn there, I'll fill you in on what we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about marriage relationships and, and relationships between couples in, in a marriage, and uh, we had some good homework for that, and interesting conversation on Facebook, which was fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was fantastic. As we continue, this, this section is not unrelated to that at all. In, in 7.16, uh, Paul says, for how do you know wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know husband, whether you will save your wife? And that's a, that's a little point that's going to play in our passage today. The passage also depends on chapter 6, verse 20, which says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. 
keeping in mind that we are not our own, that we are God's. Our goal is to glorify Him in our body. So I'm going to go verse by verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 is where we'll start this morning. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Point number one in your worship folder is live faithfully in your assignment. Live faithfully in your assignment. Which if you had read the title, you could probably fill that in ahead of time. Live faithfully in your assignment. Uh, The sermon's entitled, You Are Here, How to Live Faithfully in Your Assignment. Paul urges the Corinthians to continue living in their situations. He's urging the Corinthians to continue living in their situations. He uses language that has really big meaning, like assignment and calling. These are words that are used, um, calling is often used of salvation or our station in life. Specifically here in this passage, it's going to apply to both our situation and our calling as saved Christians. Assignment isn't something that we often think of with our lives. It's not something that we think of in how we live. It's usually a to-do thing. We get homework, and it's our assignment to complete it. We have jobs, and we have assignments at our work. Assignment is used differently here, though. It's used of your entire life. Your situations, your stations in life is your assignment, is what Paul is saying here. It means contentment. It means being content. It means being present in your circumstances. For some of us, this means things are great. Our circumstances are great, and we give thanks to God for that. We could be experiencing His vast blessings. We could be overwhelmed by His goodness. And what a wonderful place to be. Remain in that situation as you were assigned. God has assigned you there. Yet for the majority of us in this room, a huge room, it's very easy to assume that there are lots of trials and lots of difficulties going on. Lots of struggles. In fact, we're promised by Jesus that there will be trials and there will be difficulties. So this passage will have different meaning for us. You might be going through joblessness. You might be going through relational troubles. Through separation, distance from, from friends, from family. You might be struggling with singleness. You might have difficulties at work, at school, at home, you might be facing disease and illness. You might have loved ones that are suffering and dying around you. You may be depressed, lonely, exhausted, burnt out, burdened, and weak. And rather than focusing on how to get out of that or how to get through that, we need to be content in those situations. Because if we believe what God has said in his word, and he'll, Paul will continue to echo this point, is that he's actually assigned that to us. It's actually an assignment from God that he wants us to be present in these situations. It would be very easy to think right now, as I am young and you are older, that, (laughs) being very cautious, that you, it might be very easy to think, AJ, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to have disease, to have these struggles at your job. And I have to say, you're right. I don't. I don't know what you're going through. But God does. And it's God's word that tells us to be present in that. Beyond that, I'd say that he assigned it. It's what it seems very clear to me from this verse and will continue to be clear. I do want to touch on sin and death briefly because I don't want to say that God has assigned sin. God works through and in spite of sin to work your assignment. He works through and in spite of sin to work your assignment. 
So you might have made mistakes. People around you might be sinning. And your situation has been affected by that. But that doesn't mean that that's not your assignment. It means that God has, in spite of that, brought you to a place where your job is to be faithful in the midst of what's going on. We'll come back to this point later on. Paul finishes this verse by saying, this is my rule in all the churches. This is my rule in all the churches. Uh, It bears mentioning that the Corinthians may have viewed Paul as being more harsh on them than on the other churches. And we could definitely see that from the first six chapters and a little bit of seven so far that Paul does have some, some harsh commands for the Corinthians. But Paul right here is just being up front and saying, look, it's like this for everyone. We're all supposed to be present. We're all supposed to live our assignments as called by God. It could also mean that this applies to more than just marriage. We're in a, we're in a section on marriage and singleness and unmarried and widows we'll get to next week. It could just mean that this applies to more than marriage. While it certainly does apply to marriage, and it certainly does apply to those difficulties that can happen, Paul is taking it further and saying this applies to more than that. Continuing on in verses 18 through 19, Paul through the Holy Spirit says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Letter A in your notes, or I guess letter C, is live contentedly in your assignment. Live contentedly in your assignment. There was a mix of Jews and Gentiles at Corinth, as we saw um, in our intro to this series on Corinthians. So there's definitely some Jews and some Gentiles. So this issue of circumcision could come up in a couple ways. It could come up as the Judaizers forcing new converts to become circumcised. Or it could also come up in, um, in Jews being embarrassed by circumcision and trying to cover it up. That they think that they'll be thought less of because they're circumcised. It's a weird thing to mention, remove the marks of circumcision, right? I do have to touch on this briefly. There was a procedure back then that would disguise the marks of circumcision, and this would be helpful if you were going to do business, rela- uh, business relations with people, if you were going to go into business with them, and they would go to public bathhouses and they would notice. Or if you were going to compete in the Olympics, um, some of the competitions in the gymnasium would be done in the nude. So this would be noticeable by some people around them. And they had a procedure to cover it up. So Paul is saying, you don't need to do that. That's not necessary. Paul's point to the Corinthians can be summarized as this. Your outward signs are irrelevant if you are keeping the commandments of God. It's like James says, you can't show someone faith without works because faith automatically flows out and works. So don't worry about the outward signs because if you do have faith, it will flow out and works. Letter D in your notes, keeping God's commands is what's important. Keeping God's commands is what's important. Let your heart show that you're faithful in your walk. We know from the story of David and the calling of David that God looks not on the outward appearance of man, but at the heart. So God looks at the heart and sees the heart and where it is. That's where we keep God's commands is in our heart. God's the same God today who still looks at the heart. He's continuing to be the same God who cares so much about our heart. Verse 20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Sounds like an echo of verse 17, and probably for good reason. 
Paul's point in this passage is going to be repeated three times. But there's a slight nuance here. He adds condition. Remain in the condition in which you are called. Number two in your worship folder, Christians take their condition into their new identity as Christ followers. Christians take their condition into their new identity as Christ followers. No longer is our fulfillment found in what we do, but rather who we are in Christ. It's not found in what we've been doing in work or what we've been doing for hobbies or competing. Your identity is found in Christ. Your fulfillment is found in Him. Don't underestimate God by assuming He can't work in your condition. Now, Paul's point here is not saying that we should never change anything about ourselves. He's not saying you have to be the same person when you were 13 as you will be when you're 63. He's not saying that at all. As John Calvin puts it, he says, Now now it were a very hard thing if a tailor were not at liberty to learn another trade, or if a merchant were not at liberty to betake himself to farming. I answer that this is not what the apostle intends, for he has it simply in view to correct that inconsiderate eagerness which prompts some to change their condition without any proper reason, whether they do it from superstition or any other motive. He's not saying don't pursue other opportunities. He's not saying don't seek to better yourself. Instead, he's arguing that we find contentment where we are. And who would know better about finding contentment than the Apostle Paul? The worship thought in your, in your worship folder from Pastor Ron points out 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. Paul had been dealing with this thorn in the flesh which he never actually says what it is, so there's a lot of speculation on what it is. Interesting. And he, he gets to this point where he's asking God to take it away. Three times and God keeps saying, no, no, I'm not taking it away. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Verse 21 says, Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself the opportunity. Paul is continuing to use more examples here of, of different types of callings, of different types of assignments. This time he uses slaves and freedmen addressing a specific occupation here that they would have in Corinth, Paul calls out the bondservant. He says, if you are a bondservant when called, don't assume that this will hinder your walk with God. You can't say, I'm just a bondservant, so God can't work through me, because all, all I do is work for my master. God's not going to use me. You can't say that. It seems kind of strange to say, um, don't be concerned about it. Right? Were you a bondservant when called? Don't be concerned about it. Like, don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. You're a bondservant. Kind of a weird thing for Paul to say, right? Because it seems like it might actually be a big deal if you're a bondservant. Rather, he's saying this is not going to hinder your walk with God. Being a bondservant will not hinder your assignment in life. It's not ruining your ministry. Continuing on to verse 22, and we'll spend some more time on, on 23 and 24. Verse 22 says, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. Paul makes a huge step in this verse to finally bridge and bring clarity to what we had in the last 
a verse is that your identity isn't found in what you do, but rather in Christ. It's not found in what you do, but who you are. That's in Christ. So letter D in your worship folder is your identity wasn't cheap. Don't exchange it for comfort. Your identity wasn't cheap. Don't exchange it for comfort. Oh, whoops, I jumped ahead. Letter C. That's, that's, you, you, you'll just get a, a preview of the next point. Letter C is your identity is found in Christ. He's not specializing that those who are slaves are now free. But if we're free, then we're slaves. So this could be read as kind of a bummer verse for us because I don't think any of us in this room are bond servants. So we could read this and be like, oh, now we're slaves. I wish I was a bond servant because then I'd be free. right?" But Paul is actually saying here, no, your identity is found in Christ. If you're free, you're actually a slave of Christ. If you're a bond servant, you're actually free in Christ. And we know from the whole story of Scripture that we're both slaves and free in Christ. Your identity is not found in your doings. Rather, your identity is found in God. Verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. Letter D, if you missed it the first time I said it, is your identity wasn't cheap. Don't exchange it for comfort. Your identity wasn't cheap. Don't exchange it for comfort. Huge and very easy to skip over this verse because it doesn't really seem to fit. But it fits really well. We have been bought with a price, and the price wasn't cheap. The price was the blood of the Lamb. The price was the death of God's Son. And he proved that he paid the price by his resurrection. This is what Diedrich Bonhoeffer calls costly grace. Because when we sin and God gives us grace, that wasn't cheap. That wasn't something he just had in his pocket and was ready to give out. It cost the life of his son. It cost the blood of his son. The price was high. The price was so high for us to be able to live out our assignments in life. The price was Jesus' blood. The price has been paid. The, the bill was unpayable by us and the price was paid. And we have the audacity to sit in our assignments and say to God, how dare you? I'm not comfortable. I don't like it here. I don't want to do this anymore. But God has given you an identity that isn't found in what you're doing. It's not found in your assignment. It's found in God. And so he wants you to take it a step further and say, be present where I've placed you. Be present in your difficulties. Be faithful with that, because that's your assignment. I paid a price so that you might one day have eternity with me. And so I want you to find your identity in me and not in what you're doing. Being bondservants of men is what we do when we don't see our current situations as an assignment from God. Being bondservants of men is what we do when we don't see our current situations as an assignment from God. I was, I was sat down by Pastor Ron about two weeks ago asking me about this sermon and whether or not I was ready or if I was nervous. And I said, I don't think I'm nervous. I think I'm scared. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a difference between being nervous and scared. And I share that with you for two reasons. One is that I, I do take this word seriously, and I do approach it with fear and trembling because I don't want to misinterpret God's words. But the other reason I share that with you is a little bit of the reason why I was scared is because of fear of man. I wasn't afraid of God. I was afraid of man, too. And what we do when we fear man instead of God is we become bondservants of men. We say, I'd rather not, I'd rather not disappoint you. I'd rather not come up short and, 
and say something wrong. So rather than focusing on whether or not I'm actually glorifying God by being faithful to his passage, I was distracted by whether or not I'd be appeasing the ear of people in the congregation on Sunday. That was wrong. It was wrong. I was being a bondservant of men instead of God. Let's be honest. Living in our difficulties can be overwhelming. It can be so overwhelming to live in our difficulties, to live in our struggles. Verse 24. And this one's going to drag on a while, so don't think that we're going to end early. We, we probably won't. Verse 24. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Therefore, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And this is your... This is cool. I feel like this is Sunday school, because it's what I do with the kids. This is your memory verse for the week. It's 724. It's on the bottom. Huge verse that ties everything together. It sounds like Paul's repeating himself from verses 17 and 20, right? Okay, here goes Paul again. Yes, we get it. We're supposed to remain in our situation as we were called. You said that twice already, Paul. For crying out loud. (laughs) He adds two words. He adds two words to verse 17 that weren't there before. And I don't know if you noticed, because I didn't, and I studied this for two weeks without noticing this, and it was huge when I finally realized three days ago that God adds two words through the Apostle Paul. He adds, with God. Therefore, live in the situation as you were called. Uh, whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So point three is an echo of point one. Point one was live faithfully in your assignment. Point three is live faithfully in your situation with God. Live faithfully in your situation with God. Paul says, let him remain with God. Now, I don't want to get too far into the Greek because I'll get lost and you'll get lost. But the Greek word can actually mean abide. Remain with God can actually mean abide with God. Immediately, uh, notes from John 15 should pop into your head. Right? Where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Here's what he says in John 15. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God is with us in our difficulties. It's not up to you to live presently in them. While it is partially up to your faithfulness, God isn't leaving you alone there. Letter A, this time, is abide with God, for he knows your situation. Abide with God, for he knows your situation. Hebrews 4.15 talks about Jesus as the great high priest. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to go through what you're going through. And he's with you in it. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be annoyed. He knows what it's like to be angry. He knows. 
And you're called not to live in your difficulties or your situations by yourself, but rather with God, with a God who recognizes, the God who feels with you, with a Godhead who is praying for you, even when you can't think of the words. He knows what you're going through. He knows your struggles. He knows what it's like to be sad. Last verses I want to turn to is John 21, 21 through 22. John 21, 21 through 22. And this is a little bit of an odd section to turn to. It's after Jesus has resurrected from the dead and he, he's appeared to the disciples. And Peter, in famous Peter fashion, he hears that John, someone thinks that John might remain until Jesus comes back. So Peter's, Peter, Peter says to him, Lord, what about this man? Is he going to remain until you get back? So distracted from the, the point of focusing on Jesus, Peter looks over at John and says, What about him? Peter saw him. He said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Those last three words, you follow me. That's what God had assigned Peter to. He had assigned Peter to following him, and I, I guarantee you he's assigned us to do the same thing. As Christians, we are assigned to follow God. Stop being distracted by what your brothers and sisters are doing. Some people are well off, and we can often look at that and be like, God, how come they get blessed? And how come I get difficulties? Or how come they seem to be doing so well, and I'm struggling? But God hasn't assigned us to compare. He's assigned us to follow him. It's all he's asked is, you follow me. We get so bogged down in our situations that we get tunnel vision. And we forget to follow God. We get so focused on what's directly in front of us that we forget to look up. It was very easy for me in school. I, I had the privilege to go to Bible University. And it was very easy for me to get distracted by homework assignments or failing another Greek test or... <laughs> Things like that, to just get that in my way and focus on, I need to get a good grade in this class, rather than I need to submit to God and see how I can be faithful in the midst of difficulties. Our relationship with God takes first priority. Our relationship with God should affect our assignment. And if we're focused on Him, living faithfully in our assignment, shouldn't be a, a hard thing to do. We shouldn't compare. We shouldn't we shouldn't look at our brothers and sisters and, and be envious or jealous of what God is doing in their lives. Rather, we should live humbly and submit to what God is doing in our own lives. Figure out how to be faithful in the midst of difficulties. So letter B on point three is don't compare, but follow. Don't compare, but follow. We often view ministries as things that happen at church. So right now, we have faithful Sunday school teachers who are teaching your children, and they do a fantastic job, and I'm glad we have them. We have some in this congregation who are missing because they're in nursery. Uh, the deaconesses were taking care of coffee and stuff earlier. We view those as ministries, and we view everything else in life as just life. I'm just a part of a business. I'm just an employee at this place. I just manage. 
or I just go to school. I'm only in junior high. I can't wait till one day when my ministries start. But if we believe what God has said, and what, what it seems to be obvious from this passage of Scripture, is that your ministry isn't just what you do at church. Your ministry isn't just when you serve people at Second Harvest. It's your life. Your ministry is everywhere you are in life. So when I go play hockey, that's my ministry. When I go and I go to school, that's my ministry. I need to learn to be faithful to my professors in a way that honors God. And your ministry doesn't start in the future. It starts now. Your ministry doesn't start when you graduate junior high or high school or college or retire. You can't keep looking forward and saying, one day I will serve God. One day, when I have more free time, I will serve God. Because I guarantee you there will always be things to distract you. There will always be things to distract. So be faithful in your stations in life, because that's where God has assigned you. It's very easy for me, especially as a staff member of a church, to forget this. To forget that I do ministry as a service to God. Because it can, it can become mundane. It can become a normal thing for me to come in and check on children's ministry and plug numbers into the computer and upload da- data and not do it faithfully. I had a conversation with uh, one of our missionaries, Matt Plotz, a while ago. That sounds so cool to say. Um, <laughs> so cool. Uh, we, we'd have these fireside talks, and, and one of the ones we had was based on this passage of Scripture. And I looked at Matt and I said, so how do you be faithful in the mundane? If I'm at home all day and I have nothing to do, how do I be faithful? How do I serve God in that? Because I know that that has been my assignment, that if I have a day with nothing to do, somehow God has assigned that to me and I need to be faithful. So when you go about life and these boring things, there is a way to be faithful. There's a way to be faithful. For Matt and I, we, we still wrestle with this all the time. Um, I'll send him Facebook messages and we'll talk about how, how are you being faithful in the mundane or how are you being faithful in the boring stuff. And it's hard sometimes. I mean, just to be completely honest, it's hard. Sometimes I don't know how to be faithful in the boring stuff. I don't know how to be faithful when I have to write a 14-page paper for a class. It seems really boring and all I'm doing is studying. But when I focus on God and when I dedicate it to Him in prayer or, or when I try to figure out what He's trying to teach me through mundane and boring stuff, I think He teaches me how to be faithful. One day I was here working late and I posted on Instagram. I'm not going to give you a hashtag today. just so I feel like I always do that. I posted on Instagram that I was, um, I was uploading data into the computer for, for a database we were doing. And I said, this is... This is what being faithful looks like today. So I figured it out that day. That's what being faithful was. Being, staying late and doing my assignment as God had assigned me. And it's hard to figure out every day. And some of our applications should hopefully flesh that out for you. These applications are different. I've, um, I have a, a different view of applications that I'm still working through. I might be wrong on how to apply things. So... Just wrestle with me in this. Uh, applications are seek God and how He is trying to work in your situation. Seek God and how He is trying to work in your situation. 
Because God is trying to work. And if we forget to seek Him, if we get to recognize, forget to recognize where He's working, where He's placed us, then we're not seeking Him as we should. So sit down and assess your situation in life. Maybe today, maybe sometime this week. And try to figure out how you can minister to God. How you can be a minister of His grace to people around you in your situation. The second is view your stations in life as your ministries. View your stations in life as your ministries. I just talked about this, but um, everywhere you are in life is a ministry. Your identity isn't found in what you're doing anymore. It's found in being a son or daughter of the king. So if that's the only identity that matters. So if I'm a son of the king, then I'm not just some kid writing a paper for college. Or I'm not just somebody who goes to a movie. I'm a son of the king. And I need to be faithful in that station. Forget the notion of the on switch. Forget the notion of the on switch. There seems to be this assumption that sometimes when we come to Sunday morning service, we've got to turn it on. So let's, let's get going. Let, let me get my espresso and my coffee going because I'm tired and I had a bad week, but I've got to look like I'm happy because it's Sunday morning. Got to look like I'm happy. Got to turn on the on switch. But if we believe that we need to remain faithful where we're at, if we believe that God has assigned us places in life, there is no on switch. There isn't. Because your identity continues on everywhere you are in life. It continues on beyond just being a son of the king at work or just being a son of the king at school. You are always a son or a daughter of the king. So there is no on switch, because if you turn it off, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't, you can't turn off being a son of the king. You can't turn it off. It needs to always be on. The person you are should continue. I shared briefly with you uh, when I started about my grandma passing this week. And it was a good time of reflecting on, on her life, and it was a hard week, hard time of remembering things that she had done for me and my family and just getting to be around this lady who had been a Christian all her life was, it was special. I know that one day we'll see her in heaven. But something that I had been assigned to was driving her to and from the gym or to and from doctor's appointments. And it was something that, honestly, I did begrudgingly at first. I was so consumed by my own time. I didn't have an hour or two to spare. I didn't have time to waste to drive my grandma places. But eventually God started to show me that as a ministry. Eventually God started to break down these walls that I put up of not wanting to do this because it didn't appease me, that this was my ministry. And so I'd get these great conversations with my grandma about her life and about things that she struggled with or things that she was dealing with. I remember one time she was sharing with me about um, difficulty she was having in relationships and, and depression she was going through. And it was just a hard time for her. And I was playing my, on my iPod. It was just on shuffle. And I had it, had it down because I was driving and not looking at it because you shouldn't do that. I had it down. And uh, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, came on. And we sung it this morning uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it applies to this passage. But the other, I really wanted to sing it because it was one of my grandma's favorite songs. And the song comes on, and 
this beautiful lady in, in an off-key starts singing, It Is Well With My Soul. And you could tell it was from the heart. You could tell that she was singing from the heart. And tears started to stream down her face as she would echo out, When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well with my soul. And she cried the whole time this song was playing. And it, it, it taught me to remain present in difficulties. That I knew this lady was honestly saying that it is well with her soul. I knew what she was going through. God knew what she was going through. And it wasn't easy. And it is well with her soul right now. She, she stands, I'm a little jealous, she stands with fellow believers before the king in her new glorified body no longer struggling with these things, but rather before God, whole and complete, as well with her soul. Her identity wasn't found in depression. Her identity wasn't found in her struggles. It was found in being a daughter of the king. So, in these stations in life that are hard, in these stations in life that are difficult, let us remember that God sustains, that God continues to be steadfast in the midst of our difficulties. In Timothy, one of my favorite verses, it, Paul goes through this list of things that we do and then God doesn't do. And he ends with, if we are faithless, if we deny him and are faithless, God remains faithful. If we deny him and are faithless, God remains faithful. So even when we fail in our ministries, which I do every day, even when we fail in our stations in life, God is faithful. And He continues to sustain us. He continues to give us life when things are hard. Even when we're faithless, He remains faithful. Pray with me as we close. Lord God, You have assigned us to difficulties and You've assigned us to joy. You've assigned us to life. Lord, You know what it's like. You know what it's like to struggle. You know what it's like to hurt. You know what it's like to go through pain. Lord, you continue to sustain us. You continue to bless us. We continue to fall short. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, I pray for this room that you would renew in us a passion for you, that our identity wouldn't be found in what we're doing, but rather in who you are and who we are in you. Lord, if if there's any in this room that can't experience that because they're not Christians, I pray that you would soften hearts, that your Holy Spirit would break down walls. Lord, help us to be faithful in our assignments. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be ministers of your grace. Lord, we can't do it, and I'm so glad that Paul added the words with God on the end of 24, because, Lord, it is overwhelming difficulties in this life. But you continue to work in spite of us. You continue to work. Lord, I pray that we would be able to recognize that, that we would be faithful ministers in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen.